Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's sermon podcast at Yarmouth Wesleyan. We hope that you are encouraged by the message that you're about to hear. Uh, And we'd really appreciate uh, if you would subscribe on Apple Music or follow us on Spotify. That really helps us continue uh, to do the work that we are doing. So thanks again for tuning in and enjoy the message. Uh, Just so you, you guys know, whether you are here live, whether you are watching online, that what you are about to experience is called a sermon. It will contain both information and opinion on a wide variety of topics pertaining to everything from God to the scriptures to culture to politics. Some of these topics can get spicy. And I just want you guys to know that if at any point throughout this sermon you disagree with anything I say, you are wrong. There is no middle ground here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. You are either for me or you are against me. And if you are for me, then I will hold you in the highest regard for the rest of my days. But if you dare betray me with opposing viewpoints this evening, I will mentally categorize you in the place of my enemies, in a sea already swimming with my adversaries. I can't can't even fake being mean to people. I'm not very good at... Can you imagine if someone started a sermon that way? Can you imagine if someone started a conversation that way? You can, because they do. Is this not the way the world seems to work right now? Is this not the way that a lot of conversation seemed to happen? It it seems like that's the way that it is. Remember when you could disagree with people kindly? Remember remember we, we could just have little quibbles? Remember quibbles? That was a cute time. I haven't seen quibbles in a while. Now it's just outrage and controversy. All that everything is full volume all the time. And we communicate with one another with elevated voices or with sarcasm, with demeaning insults. We, we just place people into camps without listening to them. We throw labels on people and force them to be in these little boxes that we've come up with. We've decided that the best way to communicate about complex topics is with memes on Facebook. It's not going well. It's not really working all that well. Nothing seems civil anymore, doesn't it? Whether we're talking about politics or the pandemic, or if we're talking about Mr. Potato Head or Dr. Seuss. Oh, just wait. It seems like we can't have conversations anymore. We can have insults. It just seems like we can't listen to people anymore but we can throw jokes around with one another at at other people's expense rather than listening to perhaps different viewpoints and ideas because psychologically what we have discovered, if I can somehow make you feel worse about yourself, I feel better about myself. Does any of this sound familiar? Does this sound like our current culture, the way that things work right now? We use this method of the way, or the word we use to describe this method of the way we, we speak to one another in a belittling, dismissive fashion, especially with people that we disagree with or don't get along with, we call this contempt. It even just sounds like a mean word, doesn't it? Contempt. Like you spit it out of your mouth. 
is contempt. And at its most basic form, contempt doesn't necessarily just want to disagree with someone. It wants to completely express dominance over them. It's about making someone less than you. It's about making sure that they have less value and less worth than they did before you spoke with them. If I can somehow make you feel dumber, then it's going to boost my own sense of moral intellectualism, moral superiority. And all of this is leading us down what seems to be a pretty destructive road. And this might be the way of the world, but church, this is not the way of the kingdom. This is not the way the church works. And I know you might be tempted to think, I know, the world is a broken place and all those other people need Jesus. (laughs) You and I both know people who know Jesus. They still treat people with contempt. That's all of us, I think, in this room, perhaps. Man, we're not even good at doing this in the church. The way that we disagree with one another, the way we fight over theological differences. You tell someone, like, oh, you believe in speaking in tongues. (laughs) My 10-month-old was speaking in tongues this morning, too. (laughs) I've heard people say that. We're not great at this. In the church or outside of the church, this is not the way of the kingdom. And we should be modeling for the world a better way to get along with people. A better way to converse with one another, to love one another. There is a better way forward than contempt. And that is what we're going to talk about for these next few minutes. We're in week five of a series that we've been in now called Beautiful Resistance. And if you've been to one of these, you know the drill. But if you're new or perhaps watching online, just a quick refresher. We understand that the world operates a certain way. The world has certain values, and then it acts on those values. And um, what we believe as the church, though, is that without Christ, those values are ultimately going to fall short. Those values without Christ are not enough to change someone's life. They are not enough to transform a community. They are not enough to change the world. We know that scripture tells us that unless the Lord builds the house, the workers build in vain. So you can try all you want to build a better tomorrow. Without Christ, it's not going to happen. We only believe that Jesus can do that. And so what the series is all about then is talking about all of the ways that we can resist the ways of this world and instead offer something better in its place. It's not just a protest against something. something. We're also saying, hey, but what if we tried this? What, what if we did this instead? Historically, the church has been pretty good at saying, I'm against this. We've not been the best at saying, why not this? And so this series is our attempt at saying, Why don't we try some of these things? Here's the way of the kingdom. We think it's a better way. We think it actually has the power to change people's lives, to transform communities, to change the world. And so that's our goal. And today we're going to be talking about how honor must resist contempt. Honor must resist contempt. And so we've got the kingdom of the world over here with all of its insults and mockery, with all of its belittling ways. And the kingdom should be saying, that doesn't work. Here's a better way. Why don't we try this and see how this works out? Honor must resist contempt. If you've got your Bibles, we are going to be in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. And these are going to be our two key verses for uh, the message today. And and it says this, Paul writes, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. You know he has to write that, because they were doing it. 
And you know it's in the Bible because we still do it. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. And then he says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in honoring each other. The ESV actually says you should outdo one another in showing honor. You should one-up people in the way that you're honoring them. Now, the rest of the ESV is trash. Anyone who reads it is a fool. It's a little contempt joke. Do you see what I'm doing? Just a little humor, guys. Okay. Um, see, I think as Christians, we're really good at giving lip service to the idea that we love everyone. Right? Oh, I love everyone. I love everyone. Yeah, Jesus said to love everyone, and I am loving everyone. And then we find out they have a, a, an opposing viewpoint on wearing masks, and we're like, those idiots do not know what they are talking about. I think Paul would call that pretending to love others. Don't just pretend to love them. Oh, I love everyone until I find out that they voted liberal or conservative or even NDP. We don't just pretend to love others. We say that we love everyone and then we find out that our coworker's pro-choice. And we're like, oh yeah, she strikes me as the kind of person who would be into that. Unbelievable. And Paul says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Honor them. Honor them. So how are we doing with this? Because sometimes it feels like we just subtly veer down the road of contempt without even recognizing that we're doing it, without even acknowledging that it's happening, and, and we don't even recognize the hardening of our own heart that's taken place. And you might be thinking, my heart's not hard, but Scripture actually tells us that out of the heart flows your words. And so your words actually give away your heart. Jesus warned us about this. Matthew 5, 21, he says, you, you have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, even if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. And we read that and we're like, okay, Jesus, let's, let's bring it down 20%. Right, that, that's, that's a bit much. And sometimes we mistakenly think that because of Jesus' love and kindness, that's somehow synonymous with him lowering the bar of what it means to follow Jesus. More often than not, he looked at the Old Testament law and was like, it's time to raise the bar. He says, you've heard that you shouldn't murder people. And we're like, yeah, I am crushing it in that category. I haven't done that in ages. We are doing great. And Jesus is like, yeah, I recognize that. So what I want to actually call out is not the act of murder. I want to call out the anger and contempt that's happening in your heart that eventually leads people down those paths of destruction. I know you won't murder, but I do know you're going to struggle with contempt. It says, I'm more concerned about your heart, and out of the heart, your words will flow. And there's a lot of words in our lives, I think, that would indicate that perhaps there is some heart work to be done. And so we've got this idea of what contempt is, this dismissive, demeaning way of, of treating other people, of making them less than. And then we've got the scriptures that, that say, yeah, this is dangerous and destructive, don't do it. So what then is our alternative to getting along with one another and, and, and conversing with the people that necessarily we don't agree with or get along with? Because remember, as kingdom people, it is our job to show the world something better. 
and something different. And Paul would say, instead of just pretending to love one another, you should love them. And then he says, you should honor them. Show them honor. And I know we, we see that word sometimes, and what we envision is like a polite golf clap. Right? Yeah, I will show them some honor. Right? You, you ever been to someone else's graduation? Or your own graduation? And all of those people have to walk across the floor in alphabetical order? And by the time you get to the L's, you're like, oh, my word, just finish. Right? I went to a large high school. There was way too many people that graduated. I was a B. I was done in the top, like, 7% of the people. And I had to sit through the rest of them. Just, yeah, way to go. Waiting for Zarly Zalapsky to finally walk across the stage. That's our picture of honor, and Paul says, no, 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 honor is so much different than, so much better than that. You should actually delight in the way that you honor one another. It should be something that you enjoy doing. I bet we've never connected honor with delight, correct? And Paul says, no, we should delight in it. And, and I, think, I think we have this messed up view of honor because it's what we've seen around us. We've got this skewed sense, where, and, and so often we're not even sure we're doing it right or what it's supposed to look like. Um, we've wrongly come to the conclusion that giving honor is giving the applause or the respect to someone that has done something that we think is deserving of our praise. That, that's what we think honor is, who maybe by default, because of their job title or their accomplishments, we're like, oh yeah, no, we'll, we'll give them honor. And so it feels like honor is something that only travels upwards, that we'll only give it to the most gifted, we'll only give it to the most celebrated, we'll only give it to, to the people in charge above us, but we don't really honor people who don't seem all that special. We don't really honor people who just seem like ordinary, everyday people. The world loves to honor itself for, for all of its celebrities and athletes they love to give trophies that we're in award season right now here's your trophy for being the best actor here's your trophy for being the best singer here's your trophy for scoring the most goals this season here's your trophy for being ridiculously good looking whatever it is and and so they get money and they get fame and they get fandom and we're like yeah those are the people that we're giving honor to and it's like we only save up our honor for what the world says is worthy of receiving it's not for everyone. It's not for like the guy living in Yarmouth, raising his family, going to work. Paul would think differently. Like Dave Hockley, as far as I know, doesn't have any Grammy Awards. I bet he doesn't even have a single Oscar nomination. But is Dave Hockley not one of the greatest guys you know? Right? And see... I warned you, I put you in the sermon. I think we need to start honoring people who might seem ordinary in the world's eyes, but we know better. We know that, that regardless of their accomplishments in, in the world's eyes, we know that regardless of their contribution to the world economy or, or the, the world's entertainment stages, we know that there are people that are worthy of their honor simply because of who they are, who their creator is, Paul says, honor one another and take delight in it. The New Testament word for honor means to assign value to something or to prize something. So you're saying that this thing now has value to me. And so you think of things in your own life that might not have any value in the world's eyes, but to you, they mean everything. Maybe some of your prized possessions. Maybe it's a drawing that one of your grandkids did for you. 
Or maybe it's a family heirloom that's been passed down and it's in your house now. And these aren't necessarily things that you could put on Kijiji and make some money with. But man, are they ever important to you. Why? You've assigned value to those things. And you have said that these things are important because I know about them. I know where they came from. I know what they mean to me. So honor then is treating people the same way. It's looking at them and saying, look, in the world's eyes, you might not hold a ton of value, but it doesn't matter because I know you're important and I know you're loved and I know you're worthy and I know that that's worth honoring. Here's what we know is true of every single person on the planet. God created them, God loves them, God died for them, and he delights in them. Every single person. He loves them, created them. And so, so wouldn't it be true then that every single person on this planet is worthy of love and honor? That they should be assigned value? Absolutely. In other words, it's the complete opposite of contempt. Because contempt is taking value from someone. It's saying, you're worth less to me. And honor then is saying, I'm actually going to restore value to you. I'm going to assign you value and say that you're worth more than what other people might think. Can you imagine the shift in culture if we all decided to start using honor instead of contempt? Can you imagine how that would change people's lives and and their outlooks that instead of belittling and mocking people, we encouraged them and honored them? That, That instead of people leaving a conversation feeling beat up and attacked, they left encouraged and feeling like joyful? Couldn't you use more joy and less yelling? We choose to honor instead of show contempt. We choose to really love people. It would be a breath of fresh air for everyone. So how do we do this? Because I know we all struggle with this. We all, I struggle. On the way to church tonight, I called someone an idiot in my car. <laughs> I was pulling out, and I wanted to turn, and they were coming. I was like, I'll wait for them. And at the last minute, they turned. I was like, you idiot. And I've got to go preach a sermon. <laughs> on this yeah so here's here's some ways that I think we can learn to honor people a little bit better the first thing we honor people when we listen to them we honor people when we listen to them this is especially true of people that we disagree with so often we refuse to do the hard work of learning about someone else's life, their experiences, their history, their struggles, their background. Every person in the world's got a backstory and you probably don't know it. And we would do well to listen to them. But man, it's way easier to throw labels and categorize and just move on with our life. That is not a better way. It is not even a biblical way to see people and to judge people. Matthew 7 verse 1, Jesus says, Don't judge others, don't judge others and you will not be judged. And then he goes and says, the standard you use in judging is the same standard by which you will be judged. And we should all go, ooh. Because if you're quick to call someone else out and label them as something and you don't even know them, boy, I hope Jesus doesn't do that to me. Be quick to listen. and Slow to speak. And slow to get angry. We are so quick to say, you believe that, so you are this. You don't believe the thing I do, and so this is how I feel about you. And there's no room for discussion or for nuance. And what's unfortunate about it is that we even do this with with theological things, with with things of of the Bible and and of Scripture. 
And, and we haven't even taken the time to explore these issues for ourselves to find out what we believe about them and what, what God might be speaking to us about them. We're just believing other things people told us. How many people's faith is just fourth-hand information that you heard from someone else? And we aren't taking the time to develop our own scriptural viewpoints with the work of the Holy Spirit, but we are still wading into fights about them. Boy, am I confident in what that guy said about this thing. We need to learn from Scripture. Listen to this verse from Hebrews 5.11. This is one of those, like, kick-in-the-pants kind of verses right here. The author of the book is writing. No one knows who wrote Hebrews. He or she writes this in in 5.11. There is much more we'd like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you're spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. (laughs) Imagine being the recipient of that and being like, oh, what? No wonder they were anonymous when they wrote Hebrews, just throwing shade like that everywhere. But imagine being told that. I would love to have a conversation with you about this, but you don't seem to be willing to do the work that is required. You don't have the spiritual depth or maturity that we're looking for when it comes to these kinds of issues. Be like, oh, church, the problem is that we've got good people in our world who don't know Jesus, who are wrestling with some seriously complex issues. And we've just not been all that willing to listen. And you you know as well as I do that there's a lot of things even in the Bible that are quite unclear. And and, And people come to us looking for truth, hope, answers, anything. And all we give them is what someone else said. I've made up my mind. I know where I stand on the matter and that is that. And we're missing out on opportunities. Right, someone comes up and says, I, I deal with same-sex same attraction. And you're like, well, you are bad and that is sin. And then they're like, what? Oh, I, wow, well, what did Jesus say about it? Well, he said, uh, he said, you're wrong. Did he? Do you know what Jesus said about it? Do you know what scripture says about anything? Are you just listening to what someone else told you and someone else told them and they had a meme about it on Facebook? This is people's eternity. People are searching for truth. May the Lord, may anyone never say of me, he was just a little too spiritually dull to give me any kind of hope. Now, the other side of it is also true that there are some in the church that should be equally as frustrated when they say something like, I hold on to a traditional view of marriage, and immediately they're called hateful bigots. All right, can we all just calm down and sit together and talk about things and listen to one another and have these conversations and have these disagreements and try and go through Scripture and find out what it is that we actually believe? We honor people when we listen to them. We might learn something. We might actually see some kingdom work get accomplished. Now, this doesn't even just go for people you disagree with. There's people in your own life that you should listen to. And sometimes we're really bad at listening to others. And they'll be talking to us and we'll be on our phone and we'll be like, yeah, sure, absolutely. Mm -hmm." Put down the phone when your kids are talking to you. When your five-year-old, maybe, hypothetically, is telling you about all the Pokemon his friends saw at school that day. And you're like, yeah, I totally hear you. Phone down. Eye contact. I hear you, buddy. I'm so glad you saw a Charizard today. I don't have any idea what that means. 
but boy, did I listen to you. We need to honor one another. It, in, it involves work to not pretend to really love people, but it's worth it. Now, I'm not suggesting in any way that you are ever required to change your beliefs or values because you sat and listened to someone with an opposing viewpoint. That, that's not true either. Paul says you should love one another, honor one another, but then he also says hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good, which means that it is possible to love people and honor them and still disagree with them and, and still have it be valuable for the kingdom in some capacity. We honor people when we listen to them. We also honor people when we see them. Sometimes we are so quick to see the issue, we are so quick to see the problem, we are so quick to see the sin that we actually miss out on the fact that there's a person behind that. Um, our two most important tasks as Christians are to love God and love people. 2 Corinthians 5, 6, Paul gives us this fantastic reminder. He says, we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we even thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. They're like, oh, I just thought of that Jesus guy swinging a hammer. I hired him to fix my mom's table. He did an okay job, you know. Now I know who he is, and that changed everything. And Paul's like, what if you looked at everyone that way? What if you knew that behind everyone, there was more there than you initially thought? That there was more there than your initial instinct? That there might actually be some supernatural value behind them? That they have a soul and a spirit and a conscience? They're more than what we think about. They're more than the issue that we see. Isn't this what Christ has done for me? Aren't you grateful that when Christ sees you, he doesn't look at the big mess of sin that you once were? But instead, he looks at you and says, oh, I see that person who is now clothed in the righteousness of Christ. I see that person that I now delight in. I see that guy, and, and he's my boy. That's my son. I love that guy. Right? What if you looked at everyone else the same way and saw them through the lens of the kingdom? That's what Christ has done as kingdom people. We need to see people through the lens of the kingdom. We need to see them as image bearers of God and worthy of our love and worthy of honor, regardless of their beliefs or their actions. We acknowledge that they have worth based on the fact that we know who their creator is. And whatever he makes is good. Have you ever been given a, like a handful of dandelions from your kid? <laughs> I'm going to guess that you didn't like, get those trash flowers out of my face. You just picked those off the lawn. No, what you did was like, oh. It's not that the dandelions were worth anything to you. It's not that all of a sudden they transformed into something that wasn't a weed. It's that you knew the source of those dandelions and it changed everything. And there might be people in the world that everyone else says that's who they are and that's what their reputation is and that's what their past is, but we know their source. We know where they came from and that changes everything. And we need to see people through the lens of the kingdom. The world might see me as a dandelion, but I know how God feels about me. And amen that I don't have to perform to earn his love. And amen that I don't have to impress him to have any kind of value in this world. And may I never treat anyone else the same way. It should be so hard to show contempt to anyone that you are simultaneously also thinking you are an image bearer of God. You can't do both. James said, can blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth? No. Shouldn't be able to. Even people who believe differently than us and act differently than us, we're so quick to see labels. 
right? And I need to see them through the lens of scripture. I need to see like, oh, not liberal or conservative. I need to see not lunatic conspiracy theorist. I need to see not anti-vaxxer or or not social justice warrior or not someone with a, a different ethnicity or nationality or religion. I need to see someone that is God's creation and full of value. God's done it for me. And I need to do it for them. Isn't that what Jesus did? Didn't he go to all the wrong people? Didn't he always go to the outcasts, the sick and the weary, the people that have been cast aside, the tax collectors? I mean, that, that's the people that he was drawn to because he saw them, not their issue. It's not that he was ignoring the sin or the issue, but you start with love and honor. And then hopefully over time, it opens the door for more. Right? When, when Jesus was invited to go eat with the tax collectors, he wasn't like, I'll consider it, but first, let me write a very strongly worded email about the way I feel about their business practices, just so they know where I stand. And then maybe we can go have a... He did not. He sat with them. And he ate with them. Dave talked about this last week. He reclined with them. Just totally chill. Because he saw the person first. And then the issue and the sin. Maybe we'll deal with that a little bit later. He didn't lead with their issues. And we shouldn't either. And maybe we honor one another when we see people first. And if we do that, maybe we're allowed to get to the other stuff But as soon as we open a conversation with the world, with our complaints and our issues, very rarely has that worked in opening the door for further conversations for God to work. As far as I know, I don't have the stats from heaven. They don't share those with me. I'm going to guess our success rate at demeaning people into the kingdom is quite slim. Right up there with hating people into holiness. It's a a pretty thin margin because it's not really our best tactic. Paul said you should love people. Don't just pretend to love them. You should honor them and delight in honoring them and see people made in the image of God. And perhaps it'll open the door for them being a little bit more receptive to the truth of Jesus than they were before. Contempt shuts the door of the kingdom in people's faces. But honor opens it up a bit. So let's see people this week, church. Let's honor them by the way we look them in the eye. Let's honor them in the way that we listen to their stories and their struggles. Let's do the work of spiritual maturity and figure out what it is, why we believe, and dig into the scriptures and prayerfully consider what people are saying to us. Let's see people as the sons and daughters of God, not just political or social labels. Let's, we have the power to change the operating system, at least of our own community, from one of contempt into one of honor. And in doing so, maybe the message of Jesus will be heard for the first time. And maybe the doors of the kingdom will swing wide open to someone who was not all that open to it just a little while ago. God help us. This is hard, but it's so good. And it's so important to honor one another.